You're going to love this. Just love it. We'll see. Right, I'm here anyway. In the middle with you here live on the broadcast at Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, and of course, coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org, on the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app. On the Progressive Voices Channel, on Netroots Radio, on Liberal Justice Radio, and on iTunes. Because you can run, but you can't hide. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me. If maybe not you, I don't know, it's up to you. From bradblog.com. As I say, we are live for another hour. A lot going on, as usual this week. A lot to cover, but if I can, I'm going to try to take some of your calls. So if if I tick you off, if I uh, delight you, whatever it takes, feel free to dial the phone and we'll see if we can get to the phones today. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. That's 818-985-5735. KPFK. I hope you wrote that down because you might get mad and then you'll want to dial and you won't have the number handy and then you'll uh, you'll lose out on the opportunity to use your public airwaves before they are taken from you entirely. Here on KPFK, we actually give you access to those public airwaves that have been stolen by our corporate overlords everywhere else. Uh, Okay, well, listen, great news. Uh, The first run of the Alabama Republican Party's polling place photo ID was a success yesterday. Uh, Tuesday, uh, it was a primary day in Alabama. Uh, Long-time, perfectly legal voters were kept from voting entirely, turned away from the polls because they didn't have a uh, photo ID. So success for the Republican Party. More on that in a moment. Uh, A little bit later in the show, we must, we must keep peeing in the swimming pool. No matter what, pee in the swimming pool as much as possible say climate change denialists. I will explain that as Desi Desi Doyen joins us for an extended Green News report coverage of the president's landmarked uh, proposed EPA standards this week to reduce carbon emissions for the first time from power plants by 30 percent over 2005 levels by 2030. Um, We will talk about what that means. Is it even possible? Is it enough to make a difference to our runaway climate crisis? Uh, Will the inevitable challenges against it be successful in court? And, of course, what are the denialists saying in response to it? 
And why are they telling everybody to pee in the swimming pool? All of that will be answered by Desi Doyen in a bit. Uh, if time, also, we've got some new information on e-cigs, on vaping. We've talked about that on this show uh, as uh, the miracle that they are, even as Los Angeles and other cities have <laughs> incredibly worked to ban their use to make it harder for people to quit smoking by using them. Uh, in case I don't get to this uh, later, let me just uh, toss this in. A-, a group of scientists, 53 leading scientists, have sent a letter to the World Health Organization warning them to not classify e-cigarettes as tobacco products. They say that e-cigs, vaping, is part of the solution in the fight against smoking and that these, quote, these products could be amongst the most significant health innovations of the 21st century, perhaps saving hundreds of millions of lives. The urge to control and suppress them as tobacco products should be resisted, say these uh, 53 leading scientific efforts, which is a point I've tried to make on this show. I made it uh, here a few weeks back when we had uh, Paul Koretz from the L.A. City Council after he had just passed a law sponsored and then the uh, city council voted unanimously to pass this law (sighs) insanely, dangerously to ban vaping. Maybe we'll have some more of that in uh, ahead. Also, uh, it was primary day out here in California yesterday. Uh, First, the good news (laughs) <laughs> the the Green Party yutz, I'm sorry, the Green Party candidate uh, who threatened to sue me. I think we talked about it last week. He threatened to sue me for reporting uh, that he was a supporter of Internet voting. Uh, he lost big time. That's David Curtis. He was the last place uh, on the ballot among eight people who were on the ballot. He lost by almost seven points to the state senator who was recently arrested and indicted for weapons trafficking. That's how poorly uh, David Curtis did. Uh, Unfortunately, there's uh, eight people running. He was last place. Uh, I had hoped to really like this guy, but um, turns out he's an irresponsible yutz. But he has promised to uh, send me a, a letter, his attorney. I haven't gotten that letter yet. I'll let you know when I do. Uh, In the meantime, you can read about um, what I reported on him and what he is uh, furious about over at bradblog.com. So that's the good news. Uh, The bad news is uh, the people who did win. Uh, The top two out here in California of any party go on to compete against each other in November. Uh, In this case, it was a Republican and a Democrat who were the top two in uh, The polling reportedly yesterday, there's still uh, thousands of absentee ballots and mail-in ballots and so forth to be counted. But as of now, it looks like the top two um, on the Republican side, Pete Peterson, got almost 30 percent of the vote. Uh, I talked a little bit about him last week because uh, he was dodging my questions on a polling place photo ID and uh, if he thought that they were wrong, if he thought that they actually uh, worked to disenfranchise people. He said he agreed with Rand Paul, who had called polling place photo ID laws uh, bad because, quote, they were offending people. And when Pete Peterson said, yeah, I agree with him, I asked uh, Mr. Peterson, uh, do you think photo ID laws are bad because they're offending people? Or because they are wrong, because it's wrong uh, to keep people from being able to cast their legal vote. 
More on that in a moment. That's the Republican side, and I'm sure we'll cover that race as we move forward, uh, because the race for Secretary of State in California is going to affect all of you, not just here in California, but all across the nation. Uh, As we are changing voting systems out here, L.A. County wants to move to a 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting system. And the man who is helping them to do that is the Democratic State Senator Alex Padilla, who uh, passed a law uh, earlier, uh, actually, I guess uh, at the end of last year, uh, to do away with all federal testing of e-voting systems in California and to allow the Secretary of State to approve systems for use, new e-voting systems for use in actual elections without any certification at all, even from the state. That's Senator Alex Padilla uh, pushing that bill, giving great power to the Secretary of State. Well, as it turns out, funny thing, Alex Padilla, state senator, uh, Alex Padilla, uh, Democrat, uh, got 30 percent reportedly, of the vote in uh, yesterday's polling in California. Alex Padilla will go on to face Pete Peterson. Uh, Alex Padilla has also been less than forthright concerning that bill I just mentioned, uh, refused to answer questions from bradblog.com about it, had, had been misleading the public in a big way about why he was passing that bill. You can read that at bradblog.com. We will cover it, I suspect, in the weeks ahead. But I wanted to let you know It's going to be Democratic uh, Padilla versus Republican Pete Peterson in the Secretary of State's race. Good luck to us all here in California and around the nation. Okay, some more voting uh, news. (laughs) You know, let let me set this up. Uh, We had to uh, uh, get a, a parking permit recently. Uh, and uh, I live with my girlfriend. We've, we've lived together for about 15 years. Uh, and to get a parking permit in the state of uh, in the city of Los Angeles, uh, you have to go down to the Parking Violations Bureau. You have to bring them certain items to prove that, I guess, that you live where you say you live. Uh, and so we had to get one last week because um, they're shutting down our street. And so we needed to be able to have a parking permit to park elsewhere. And uh, so she went down there. My girlfriend went down there uh, with all kinds of identification, her driver's license, which has our address on it, uh, the car registration, which has our address on it. She presented that uh, after waiting for, I don't know, half hour or so uh, to get this parking permit. She presented it to them and they said, oh, no, that's not good. That's not enough. Y- your name needs needs to be on a utility bill. But I have my driver's license with my address on it. I have my car registration with my address on it. I have a tax return with my address on it. No, that's not good enough. You have to have a utility bill, a cable bill, electric bill, phone, water, whatever. Well, as it turns out, my name is the one that happens to be on all the utility bills, not her. So they would not give her a parking permit. So she had to come back, uh, get me. I had to leave work, uh, take off early, uh, take another uh, half hour drive down there, deal with all of that. uh, And finally, I was able to get this parking permit. Now, I'm not telling you this story to complain about the process of getting a parking permit in the city of Los Angeles. Having a parking permit essentially is a privilege. It is not a right. If they want to make it difficult, fine. But it took us two trips Uh, several hours to pull it off, and we have driver's licenses to do this. Uh, You know, we could do... I had to take off work, but I was able to drive down there and get it done after two separate trips. Imagine if you're 96 years old and you don't have a driver's license. 
And you have to come up with a birth certificate, a, uh, a, a, a passport, a marriage license, all of these different documents just so that you can cast your vote, just so that you can exercise your right to vote in this country. Well, we talked uh, a few weeks ago briefly about Ruby Barber, 92-year-old woman down in Texas, where the state of Texas has now instituted their polling place photo ID restriction law. She's 92. She uh, no longer has a driver's license. It's expired. She never had a birth certificate because she was born almost 100 years ago under a coal oil lamp in a farmhouse. She presented her Social Security card. She presented her Medicare card. She had that expired driver's license, but she didn't have the birth certificate. Oh, and her marriage license uh, because, you know, her name changed. So even if she had the birth certificate, she'd have to prove that her name was changed when she was married. Her birth certificate was lost in a house fire in 1992, I believe it was. So uh, she was unable to get a photo ID. 92-year-old woman uh, in Texas to get that so-called free ID. Of course, she's not the only one who had that problem. And I got a comment, by the way, from her son. Let me read that to you in a, in a moment. But I want to uh, tell you, it, it, she's not alone down in Texas. Mary Dina Ansler, 96 years old of Richardson, Texas, had a Social Security card, an expired driver's license, a certified copy of her birth certificate from Michigan, and more documents. But still, she could not get her photo ID. Here's what she went through. Uh, She moved to Texas two years ago, 96-year-old woman, to live with her daughter, Robbie, uh, with her daughter, Robbie Laflamme, and her son-in-law, Pete. The family says she was told by authorities that she needed an original birth certificate for a photo ID. Authorities in Michigan, where she was born in 1917, did not uh, send her a copy of her original birth certificate because they didn't have one. They sent her a certified copy. But even with that... The Department of Public Safety, DPS, told the family that they didn't have the correct documents. The family asked uh, State Rep Angie Button, Chen Button, for help. Button's office punted Ansler's problem to the Texas Secretary of State's office. That office then kicked it back over to uh, Department of Public Safety. And a Department of Public Safety official called the family and told them there would be no photo ID for Ms. Ansler. She had her birth certificate, she had a baptism certificate, a marriage license, a social security card, a Medicare card, and an expired driver's license, and a California state picture ID. But that was not enough to get a photo ID in the state of Texas where Republicans are trying to keep people like 96-year-old Mary Dean Ansler from being able to vote, 92-year-old Ruby Barber from being able to vote. And these are people trying to get their photo ID so that they can vote this year. Now, Ruby Barber finally got her ID. Uh, Her son, Jim Denton, left a uh, comment for us at bradblog.com and said, first of all, mom has no birth certificate. She was delivered in 1921 by a midwife that lived near them in rural Tennessee. So she never had a birth certificate. That was not unusual in those days. We took her driver's license that had expired in 2010, but the law says if it was more than two years old, it is not acceptable. They took her Medicare card, current voter registration card, Social Security card, some utility bills. None was acceptable. However, due to the publicity that she received, 
they they uh, got a call that they had the state had searched the 1940 census and found that she, my dad, and myself, according to her son here, were registered and our birth dates were on the data. Remember now, he writes, the law is supposedly in place to determine if one is a citizen of the United States. Your birth date on a census only uh, on a census only tells you that you lived at a certain address when the census was taken. So the truth is, he says, the boys in Austin who created this ignorant law put pressure on the Department of Public Safety to issue her that card because she was lucky enough to get publicity in the newspaper. So in truth, it sounds to me like they broke the law in giving her this uh, photo ID. She's not entitled to have it. She didn't have the documents that's required. Somebody ought to sue the state of Texas. I kid, but only a little. The fact is, obviously, Ruby Barber is not alone. Mary Dean Ansler, 96 years old, she is not alone. How many people do we not know about who didn't, who weren't lucky enough to get a, a story in the, in the newspaper about the problems they were having? Well, these people who were in the newspaper, they hopefully will get their photo ID eventually and they'll be able to vote in November. Ruby Barber has gotten hers already. Thanks to, uh, you know, a few winks and nods down in Austin where they've said, we better get this lady some help or else we're going to look really stupid and people are going to realize that these laws are meant to disenfranchise people. So maybe they'll get to vote. Meantime, in Alabama, yesterday, it was primary day. And guess what? The Alabama Republicans put their law in place and put it in, uh, into effect yesterday for the first time. They actually passed it back in 2011, but they were cagey in Alabama. Instead of putting it uh, into effect immediately, they held it. They held it back. They didn't put it in place because had they done so, they would have had to submit it to the Department of Justice who would have had to approve this law under the Voting Rights Act. The Department of Justice would have had to give it preclearance because Alabama, like Texas, is one of those states... That, had, that used to have to pre-clear any new election laws because they have a history of disenfranchising, of racially disenfranchising their voters. But Alabama didn't submit it. They were smart. They waited. They waited to put it into effect until last year when Shelby County, Alabama, as it turns out, uh, and Eric Holder had a lawsuit that went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court gutted the section of the Voting Rights Act that would have required Alabama to get approval from the federal government before putting this in place. So they waited until the Voting Rights Act was gutted, and then they put it in place yesterday. And what do you know? What do you suspect happened? Willie Memes, 93 years old, African-American, showed up to vote at his polling place in Escambia County Tuesday morning for Alabama's primary elections. Mims no longer drives. He doesn't have a license. He has no other form of ID, according to Zach Roth over at MSNBC. And as a result, he was turned away without voting. Willie Mims, 93 years old, who's been voting since World War II, wasn't even offered the chance to cast a provisional ballot, as the new, as the new law requires in that situation. But no, they just sent him away. Here's Willie Mims, 93 years old, just after he had been sent home, unable to vote, disenfranchised in Alabama under the new Republican polling place photo ID law. Okay, so this is Mr. Willie Mims. Willie, tell me again how long you've been voting for. 
When did you first vote? I first vote way back in now, World War Two. Mm. When I first voted, we had to vote. We had to vote, and we voted all all the boys in the community, young fellas. So you've been voting since then, every election you could? Well, I have missed some because I was, one time while I was sick in the hospital, I didn't vote that time. Mm -hmm. But I've been voting all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. But then today you didn't get a chance to vote? No, I didn't get a chance to vote. I went down there though. I went down there and uh, they told me I had to get something with my name on it. So Willie Mims, 93 years old, voting since World War II, lost his right to vote yesterday. Denied. Sorry, Willie. You should have stayed uh, younger. You should have kept, uh, kept up that driver's license uh, even while you were 93 years old, just so you could vote, apparently. Now, there's a special loophole in Alabama's version of the polling place photo ID restriction law, which the NAACP Legal Defense Fund calls an illegal relic of the Jim Crow South. This loophole allows people to vote without an ID if two poll workers can vouch for them. So, you know, if we know you're in the hood, if we decide you can go ahead and vote, then uh, we'll vouch for you. All of that, by the way, at the same time that the Republicans were placing, the Republican Party was actually placing signs in polling places around the state yesterday offering $1,000 reward for evidence of voter fraud. So they're keeping people from voting and then they're pretending that there is massive voter fraud going on that they're going to give away $1,000 reward for. Curiously enough, uh, Judge Lynn Lynn Edelman, the federal uh, district court judge up in Wisconsin, uh, who recently struck down Wisconsin's law in a federal lawsuit, uh, the same Republican photo ID restriction law, uh, found that it would prevent far, far more legal votes than fraudulent ones. But, of course, Willie Mims is not the only one uh, who lost his vote in Alabama yesterday. A Huntsville woman, 92, who has lived in the same house in Huntsville Huntsville for 57 years and has voted in every election since she was eligible, was turned away from the polls yesterday because her driver's license expired nine months ago. Uh, the woman, uh, who did not want to be named, uh, is a great-grandmother uh, great to five. She was deeply embarrassed by the whole incident and declined to talk with LA.com, according to Kay Campbell, who reported it over there. But she gave her go-ahead for her neighbor, uh, who took her to the polls, to relay the incident with the provision that her name not be used. The license, uh, her license, had expired in August 2013. She had not renewed it because her eyesight is failing and she's been made, she had to make the tough decision to quit driving. But she thought, since it was so recent, that it would, uh, it would be allowed. She could use that driver's license with her picture on it, with her name on it, with her address, her current address, the one that matches her registration on it. Nope, can't do it in Alabama. Go to hell, old lady, 92 years old. We don't want your kind around here. She uses that photo ID to cash checks. Uh, and in other uh, rare cases where she's asked for an ID. 
Uh, the uh, Campbell uh, reports that her neighbor, Leba Nicholson, uh, who drove her uh, to the polling place, said that the woman in charge of the help desk asked the poll workers if any of them recognized her. Remember that loophole I mentioned? Just one more verification would have done it, said the neighbor, but no one did. So only one person recognized her. So she, too, was not allowed to vote. Uh, Unlike Willie Mims, uh, she was offered a provisional ballot. This woman is white, not African-American. So she was offered a, a provisional ballot, but she decided against it because she's pretty certain she'd not be able to arrange for the rides rides, plural, that she would need to get uh, her new ID by Friday, the deadline for establishing identity under the law. You see, the way these things work is when you get turned away in in these places, you can still vote provisionally, or you can at least still fill out a ballot provisionally. And then if you can go through all of the steps and if you can find all of the documents, no matter how much it costs, uh, then you can get to this, uh, to to the agency, Department of Public Safety, whatever it is, And you can finally get your quote-unquote free photo ID. Remember, you have to do all of this while you can't drive because you don't have a driver's license. And then once you get that photo ID, then you've got to arrange another ride and get over to county headquarters where you can show them that photo ID and they'll decide that, oh, yeah, you are who you said you are. Well, uh, this 92-year-old woman in Alabama decided she can't do that. She's not going to do that. Down in Texas, by the way, depending on where you live, some people have to make a 250-mile round trip to get your quote-unquote free photo ID at the nearest Department of Public Safety. Hey, Texans, start your walkers now. Going to take a while. So these are the rights that are being stolen from you on a daily basis While the folks over there on Fox News and over there on the Tea Party pretend that they give a damn about rights. They don't give a damn about rights. They want to play with their big guns. That's the most important thing. We have to take our guns to the Sonic. We have to go to the Chipotle with our big long guns. Or our rights are being robbed from us. Man, these people are idiots. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. I don't know. Maybe I'm the idiot. Would you like to call and tell me I am? Happy to hear it. 818-985-5735. If you'd like to talk about that or anything else that's on your mind, we're going to take a a short break, and then we're going to come back with Desi Doyen. We're going to run the Green News Report a little bit earlier than usual Because I got a lot of follow-up questions I have to ask her. Our special coverage this week of Obama's uh, EPA's landmark new standards, or at least proposed standards, for limiting carbon emissions from power plants by 30 percent or so. We'll see. 30 percent or so, give or take. Also, we'll talk about the uh, denialists the, uh, who are just getting desperate because they want you to keep peeing in your swimming pool. I will explain all of that in the next block of the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Stay tuned.
Hi, I'm Sonali Kolhatkar, host of Uprising. Join us on Tuesday, June 10th at 7 p.m. at Cafe Club Fade Dodo, 5257 West Adams Boulevard in Los Angeles, for a celebration of our newest project at KPFK to televise Uprising for Free Speech TV. We're kicking off this exciting new project with a launch party featuring Grammy award-winning band Quetzal. posters, a raffle with exciting prizes, DJs, and even a taco truck, and lots more. Tickets are very limited, so get them now at kpfk.org. All proceeds benefit your favorite radio station, KPFK. going to be melting with Desi Doyen momentarily. Welcome back. This is your Bradcast uh, on Pacifica Radio. Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. Uh, as Desi is uh, getting fired up for the Green News Report, let me uh, take a quick call. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Desi Doyen, stand by. Dr. Howie from Los Angeles, welcome to the Bradcast. I agree with you. Serious problem there in the South. But at the same time, I want to emphasize that we've had some problems right here in L.A. County as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I've served as a poll worker many times through the through maybe the last 10, 12 years. Thank you for I'd that. Around 15, do what I can. Mm-hmm. And yesterday I served uh, at a location in a fire station in downtown L.A., and uh, there was a serious snafu. More specifically, uh, we got down there at 6 in the morning. A couple of us, five were supposed to show. And to our dismay, uh, not only did the inspector not show, but the only equipment received, I mean in total, okay, were one table and five chairs. No, uh, you know, no recorders to work mm-hmm. on the ballots, and no, you know, no PBR for processing the ballots, no mm-hmm. ballots, no ballot box. We're just kind of, we're just kind of sitting there twiddling our thumbs. <laughs> we made an attempt to concrete the county recorder. Mm-hmm. No dice, just a busy signal for about a half an hour, and then rings and rings and rings and rings and rings. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'd say serious problem, and it compounded by the fact, terrible communication system, apparently. Uh, I finally located, uh, managed to locate another number somehow, I'm not sure how, and got through the human being around 11 a.m., and, uh, and then they finally sent out a troubleshooter at noon. So if you get what I'm saying here, we're talking five hours during which people were disenfranchised. Wow. And if you come from six and we showed, yeah. we're talking six hours. Uh, and I didn't realize it had gone on that long. I knew that there were certain problems uh, at some of the polls out in Los Angeles. Uh, I hadn't been able to track down too much information on them. Uh, but, you know, I'll give you a little trick. When that comes up, contact Dean Logan. He's our uh, Los Angeles County Registrar Recorder County Clerk. Contact him on Twitter. He pays attention to Twitter, believe it or not. And uh, I, you know, if you were having trouble getting through to him, uh, let him know there. Uh, And also uh, let me know. (laughs) I'll try to help whenever I can Uh, on the Twitter. I am the Brad blog. But uh, thank you, Dr. I finally finally called some of the local TV stations, KCAL and KBC. 
Yeah. But you can you can see the the the, the magnitude of the problem. Here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I do, and I think it's uh, terrible. And uh, we'll try to follow up with the Dean Logan and see why that happened and how he's going to keep that from happening again. Yeah, I again. haven't heard any yeah. response other other than the troubleshooter admitting that there were problems with the communication, the phone system. So, yeah, we're still kind of wondering what happened. Good. Keep raising hell, Dr. Howie. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, and and thanks for working uh, at the polls, uh, even though you had to twiddle your thumbs for five minutes. Uh, Okay, uh, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Uh, Stand by if you are on hold, because I want to get to the green news here with Desi Doyen real quick, uh, and we'll get to some more calls after that. Hey, Des. Hey. You ready for some green news? Yes, I am. Big special coverage day uh, (laughs) today, and I've got some more questions about this issue after we run the latest Green News Report. In America, we don't have to choose between the health of our economy and the health of our children. Green News Report special coverage. As president and as a parent, I refuse to condemn our children to a planet that's beyond fixing. President Obama unveils historic new rules to cut carbon pollution and take action on climate change. We have a moral obligation to act on climate. All of that acting and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Why do you say that environmentalism is a rich white person's concern? Oh, CNN, just because Ann Coulter is alive doesn't mean you have to invite her on TV and ask her opinion about stuff. Well, because you're talking about, you know, entire genocides if we don't have fossil fuel. Yes, that's exactly what we're talking about. Causing genocide by getting rid of fossil fuels. Nailed it, Ann Coulter. This is CNN. Tell me about it. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen. Very big Newsweek this week. Landmark announcement from the Obama administration's EPA about new standards to curb carbon emissions. Of course, uh, the folks representing the fossil fuel companies, that is to say largely, but not entirely, Republicans are going nuts. Our friend, journalist David Dayen, tweets, quote, Retired coal plants to double as death panel hearing rooms under new Obama carbon plan. <laughs> True or false? Um, I think you could say that's false. Oh, okay. But indeed, it is one of the strongest actions ever taken by the United States government to fight dangerous global warming. Environmental Protection Agency Administrator Gina McCarthy on Monday rolled out the first ever U.S. standards for cutting carbon emissions at the nation's existing power plants. In 2030, when the states meet their final goals, our proposal will result in 30% less carbon pollution from the power sector across the United States in comparison to 2005 levels. That, thank you. That is cutting emissions from power plants 30% below 2005 levels by 2030, the next big component of President Obama's climate action plan announced last year. U.S. power plants are the biggest source, accounting for nearly 40% of U.S. emissions. Now, these are draft rules that will be finalized over the next year. The proposed standards are tailored to each state. It gives states broad flexibility to choose how best they will meet those standards. They could switch to cleaner sources of 
of energy, invest in energy efficiency, conservation, and pollution retrofits, and they could join regional cap-and-trade programs to spur investment. And these new standards are remarkably business-friendly. This is not unlike Obamacare in that it seems like he went out of his way to present a plan that would be accepted by business, by the power plants, by the fossil fuel companies, at least as much as you could, and still curb emissions in any kind of meaningful way. Remember, these new standards are legally required under the Clean Air Act and several Supreme Court decisions. Obama is using executive authority because Congress has failed to act. But even though the new standards are required by law, the fossil fuel industry has promised an epic battle of litigation and legislation to stop it. I'm shocked. Really? (laughs) Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell called the standards a war on coal that puts, quote, a dagger in the heart of the middle class. (laughs) And like clockwork, the industry always deliberately overstates the cost of cutting their pollution, charging that it will wreck the economy. We desperately need to pollute. But as Administrator McCarthy pointed out, they have always been wrong. In the 60s, when smog choked our cities, critics cried wolf and said EPA action would put the brakes on on the auto production. And they were wrong. In the 1990s, critics cried wolf and said fighting acid rain would make electricity go up and our lights go out. Well, they were wrong again. So time after time, when science pointed to health risks, special interests cried wolf to protect their own agenda, not the agenda of the American people. And time after time, we followed the science, we protected the American people, and the doomsday predictions never came true. Now, these new standards will come at a cost, but the EPA estimates that it will ultimately lower electric bills and, most importantly, save $90 billion in avoided health care costs. And the American public is on board. A Washington Post-ABC News opinion poll this week found 70% of Americans support regulation of power plant emissions, even if it raises costs. And that includes 68% of respondents in so-called red states. And the world is watching. The very next day after the U.S. announcement, a prominent government official in China pledged that China will limit their carbon emissions for the first time. The question in the days, weeks, I guess years ahead, Are these standards strict enough? Will the fossil fuel companies have any luck in challenging these conservative standards in court? And what difference will it make around the world with other countries looking to the U.S. for leadership here? We, of course, will be keeping our eyes on that, continuing to connect the climate change dots that really... Uh, nobody else on your public airwaves does. For much more on all of these stories, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Can we go back? This is the moment. Tonight is the night. We'll fight till it's over. So we put our hands up like the ceiling can hold us. Mm-hmm. We will continue the fight until it's over. <laughs> now, uh, Desi Doyne, I wanted you to stick around. I wanted to play Green News Report early today because uh, this is a big, this is big. Yes. Uh, what uh, Barack Obama administration is doing or trying to do, yeah. at least. He's going to be challenged in court. And if folks have any questions, 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK uh, about what, is this a turning point in the fight against uh, climate change? 
change, at least in this country? Um, it can be. I think it's a, it's a turning point, at least as far as a big signal internationally that the United States is going to try to lead on this issue internationally when it comes to international climate negotiations, trying to get a U.N. treaty going. Um, as far as whether or not it can actually make a difference, it depends on if it actually gets finished. You know, this is going to be going through a 120-day public comment period where it actually does matter if you write to the EPA and tell them that what you think about this, because you know that all of the fossil fuel industry is going to also be putting their comments into the public comment period. So after that 120-day comment period, then the new rules will be finished and finalized in June of 2015, and then states have another year after that to June 2016 to actually turn in their plans according to this very complicated formula that the EPA put out for them. And then at that point, once it's finalized, then the lawsuits begin. So we're talking about years process yes. before we even begin to get to these uh, restrictions and these uh, this uh, restrictions standards. of th- standards, I should say, 30 percent uh, decrease in emissions. That's based on 2005, 30 percent from 2005. So. Right. Uh, states uh, like California, actually all, many, all of the states in the uh, recession, uh, emissions went down. Right. Because but, when people have less money, they don't use as much energy. Exactly. And since that time yeah. as well, since 2005, fracking has taken off. The natural gas boom in the United States has actually been a free market push to get uh, energy companies to uh, stop using coal and switch instead to cheaper natural gas. And so in a lot of ways, we're already about 15 percent there. We're already halfway there to the national average cut that they wanted of 30 percent. So really, it's only going to be about 15 percent by 2030. It was market forces, frankly, that cut 15 percent emissions, not uh, an Obama war on coal as the right way. Wingers like to pretend. 818-985-5735 is our number. 818-985-KPFK. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, I know we got a few people on hold, so hang in there. I will get to you. Um, Well, I also want to point out one other thing. By using 2005 as their baseline level, Mm -hmm. emissions were much higher across the country back then. As we noted, you know, that since the recession, U.S. emissions have fallen. But when you're trying to make a rule like this and say, oh, you've got to cut 30 percent, it would be much, much harder to cut 30 percent from our much lower 2012 levels than it would be to cut 30 percent from our 2005 levels. So it's a signal that the Obama administration is trying to put through to businesses and industries across the the country and saying, okay, we're going to try to work with you guys on this because it's really important that we do it, um, but we're going to make it not quite as heavy a lift as it would have been if we tried to make it from our much uh, a distru- a reduction from our 2012 levels. I received a uh, press release, and I wrote about this at Brad Blog and over at Salon this week, uh, from the Heartland Institute, the fossil fuel hund- uh, funded <laughs> group of jokers the who seem to think be tank, yes. yes the th- I'm sorry the think tank who is in uh, who is in the forefront of the climate change denial industry is uh, some of their comments were remarkable uh, let me just read one or two and get your thoughts and then we'll get some calls here uh, quote this is from uh, Joseph Bast the president of the Heartland Institute he says this is Obamacare for the environment Guaranteed to raise costs, reduce choices, and destroy an existing industry. By the time the EPA is finished, millions of Americans will be freezing in the dark. (laughs) 
Oh, boy. And they're always wrong about that, you know? They are always wrong. Uh, They always overstate. They always promise that industry will die. And look, it hasn't uh, for many of the other times we've done this. Yeah, I've got a list uh, from Climate Progress of, uh, you know, the benzene, uh, $350,000 per plant uh, was the pre-regulation estimate of what it would cost to regulate benzene. It ended up costing zero per plant. Asbestos was $150 million pre-regulation. Once they put the regulation in place, it was only $75 million. So yeah, they always, always pretend that uh, this is going to be some sort of a disaster. Yeah. It's going to put us out of business. We're going to be in the cold. And it It's never, always wrong. And here's the thing true. is yeah. that when, uh, when previous pollution controls and yeah. standards had been put into place for these power plants, it actually created economic activity. People had got hired to put scrubbers on, coal po- on coal-fired power plant stacks. You get hired to put on solar panels on your roof. And these are jobs that can't be outsourced, at least until they figure out how to ship your roof to China to put solar panels on it and ship it back. For now, you can do all that stuff here. It actually requires human beings working in America, you know, Americans working you, you, in America. You don't have to shut down your coal plant. You can give tax incentives for people to put panels on their houses. Exactly. That alone will reduce uh, the need for and coal. And that's one of the choices that they have, these let, coal-fired power plants have. Let me uh, grab some calls here. Let me go to Norma in, uh, in Cerritos. Norma, welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind, Norma? Thank you so much uh, for uh, your green news. Yes, as a solar owner and uh, electric, 100% electric car vehicle driver, I really support what the president has done. And uh, I know that it uh, contributes to new uh, solar green jobs. My husband is the solar contractor for Grid Alternatives, a nonprofit organization that uh, Beliefs in community empowerment, uh, teaching volunteers for solar installations. So we personally have seen the growth in solar jobs. I just hope that your readers will want to, uh, your listeners will want to support a decentralized solar power, not centralized solar power. We need to keep power to the people. Just like you said, Brad, it should be solar panels, solar systems on individual homes, not on solar farms. Thanks, Norma. I really appreciate that thought. Well done. Good use of your public airwaves. I appreciate that. Uh, Des, real quick, before I take another call, uh, 818-985-5735. What's the difference between central and decentralized Oh, solar? she's talking about a decentralized would be having uh, small solar panels on lots of, uh, you know, distributed across roofs all over a city, whereas a centralized power system is what we have now, where you have one central power station that, that sends out the energy to everybody else. And so we have concentrated solar thermal projects out in the desert by Las Vegas. Um, We have other large solar farms that generate electricity and store it. Um, And basically, it's going to take a mix of both. I mean, solarize everything essentially is is what we can do. Solar freaking roadways. We talked about that last (laughs) week in our Green News report uh, that we didn't get to play uh, on uh, KPFK. You can always, by the way, check out our Green News reports. We do more than we are able to play on the broadcast because I'm only on once a week here. But uh, check them out at bradblog.green greennews.bradblog.com or at iTunes. But that solar freaking roadways, just search Google for that. It's the funniest video video. ever. (laughs) Funny and cool, frankly. It's really cool. Uh, Let me go to uh, Noah in Los Angeles. Hey, Noah, welcome to the broadcast. Good to be with you. I wanted to comment on hydraulically fractured natural gas. The latest estimates are for every unit of energy delivered, 
uh, at the you know at a house or uh, um, after you burned it, the amount of greenhouse gas effect uh, per unit of energy for hydraulically fractured natural gas is larger than coal over a 10-year period, uh, almost uh, 30% more than coal over a 10-year period, and about the same over a longer period, 20 period. Uh, due to the fugitive emissions problem that when they hydraulically fracture, That's right. Right. horizontal drilling release a significant amount of uh, methane, much more potent greenhouse gas than CO2. Yep. But that, that thing is relevant to this question of are we already there? Do we, can we have market forces and so forth that was uh, the, the guest previously commented on? I'd like to hear her response. And maybe there's some new data, but that was in 2010, the whole lot studies estimates that hydraulically fractured natural gas is more potent than burning coal for a unit of energy delivered. Thanks. It's, it's an excellent point. Um, and there are a couple of things about that. Um, the burning of natural gas for electricity has about uh, half of the emissions of, of coal just for burning it. It's the life cycle process of getting that hydraulically fractured natural gas out. There are a lot of leaks that can happen uh, at the pump, at the distribution stations. The EPA and the Obama administration are considering new regulations right now for how much to force the industry to contain those leaks. So what he's talking about is not the burning of it, it's the getting of it, the it, drilling of it. And it's also, is it not when you drive past one of these places where they're fracking, uh, the, the burn-off, when you see these big, huge flames, aren't they burning off yes, the methane? Yes, they're flaring off extra off? natural yeah. gas because right now up in North Dakota at the back and shale, they don't have the kind of pipelines necessary to capture that methane, so they end up burning it instead. And yes, methane is a much more potent greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. So it's really important that we must have those regulations in place to stop those leaks, or else we do not gain any emissions reductions from using natural gas. Okay, spe- since you said leaking, I'm going to go back to the phones in a second, 818-985-5735. But since you said leaking, I just have to uh, read you this other part, since I promised this, uh, peeing in the pool. Oh, yes. Uh, from these, This is from the climate deniers, okay? This is from the Heartland Institute, funded, f- found, uh, funded by the fossil fuel company. Uh, here's what another one of their responses were after Obama uh, announced these... Uh, Uh, new standards. Uh, Thanks to the Obama administration's EPA and the new regulations released today, America is poised to become the no-pee section of the global swimming pool. Just because we declare that we won't pee in the pool won't stop the others. We'll be stuck in our little no-pee section with a crippled economy while the rest of the world will be frolicking in unfettered growth. That's from Marita Noon, the executive director of the Citizens Alliance for Responsible Energy. So what she is saying is that because China and India haven't yet lowered, uh, haven't announced their uh, plans to lower emissions, uh, we should keep doing it. We should keep peeing in the pool... (laughs) Because somebody else might uh, pee in He's the pool. He's still peeing in the pool. Right. So <laughs> what good does it for us to not pee in the pool, she says. It's <laughs> a great analogy. This is from an actual, I want to say legitimate group uh, who considers themselves legitimate, but they're really just tools for the fossil fund industry because all of this is about nothing. It's not about the economy. Nope. It's not about anything but saving money for a handful of people who profit from the most profitable industry in the history of the world. It's not about bad science. It's not about lining Al Gore's pocket. And, you know, it's definitely not about uh, the economy. We don't want to hurt jobs. No, it's about them hurting their profits a tiny bit, any amount. They can't have it. So they've been running this huge con 
It's very profitable to pollute for free. That's why they're fighting so hard to stop the efforts to force them to pay to pollute. Let me go to Jeff in Rialto. Uh, hey, Jeff, welcome to the broadcast. What's on yeah, your mind? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the game. I mean, this is the end game, and we're losing it. And uh, What's the I game? These guys think we're going to bail them out at some point and succeed. And they're just playing an end game, but who 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 are you talking about? What's the game you're talking about, Jeff? Well, the the game is either we either we save ourselves or we don't. Mm. Yeah. And um, the the um, that it should have all been over when Professor Mueller at um, at Berkeley mm. took Coke money. He was yeah. uh, he was a denier, and he, his preliminary results showed that the IPCC was correct. Yeah. And then when he completed his his study, uh, he said, not only are they correct, but it's worse than they say. Yes. That was, yeah, and, Rich, uh, Richard Muller. Anybody, just like going into Iraq, and after finding no weapons of mass destruction, instead of saying, excuse me, gee, I'm really sorry, can I pay you for all the damage we've done? <laughs> Obviously, the Bush administration was not interested in that and didn't care. Because they never excused themselves. They stayed there and just continued to bomb them and do whatever they did. Because yep. it's not so about the truth. Yeah. So it's the same thing here. Thank you. These Thanks, people, Jeff. They didn't, even, they didn't even take a breath. They didn't even bother. You know, and it, it just continues. And it should be a fraud that is criminal because it's misleading people into their death. Yep. And the future of this, of our, the whole world, the future of the world is in the balance. Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate that call. You're Thanks. absolutely right. It is a climate crisis. I'm tired of the BS about uh, it's a hoax. It's a global warming hoax. Uh, let me, we got just a few minutes left. Let me see how many calls I can get in here. Keep your questions short if you can. Uh, Bella in North Hollywood wants to talk about the elections this week. Uh, Bella? Hey. Yeah. Hey. Yes, Fred. Um, I voted uh, socialist all the way, uh, and that was good. Uh, well, I was promoting... Uh, for the socialist candidates leading up to the primaries yesterday, I found out that many people, many people have no clue what primaries are. <laughs> and that would be a topic of education for KPFK. Okay. Uh, by the way, my friend, uh, Dr. Haley, called a little while ago. He explained to me what happened yesterday. I could not believe it. But he forgot to say something very uh, germane to this, is that he would have called KPFK, but hey... KPFK doesn't have a uh, news department. Isn't that sad? Uh, so thank you for this opportunity. Very rarely sure. that uh, people get to call in on KPFK. And, and I'm and I'm glad you one. I'm glad you did, uh, Bella. And we do have a, a news department. Uh, we need uh, much more and much louder a news department. Let me get to uh, quickly. We're we'll trying to move through as many people. Steve in the Valley. Hey, Steve. Welcome to the broadcast. Uh, hi. Uh, uh, I just want to make one turn that point. turn that radio down, Steve. Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> okay. Okay. I wanted to make one point, and that is uh, that a lot of these companies that are, for instance, the ones sending you messages like the ones you've read uh, aloud, uh, uh, a lot of the uh, corporations that that are opposing us on this don't have to pay taxes. We're paying their taxes because the partly because the Obama administrations are uh, so timid. Uh, the, once yep. they start an investigation, they quit because of the howls of the Republican Party. Yep. Uh, all that money goes to Republican, conservative, almost all. 
Yeah. I no, I agree. We 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 could use a president in the White House with some guts and uh there's some guts in this EPA move, not a whole lot. I, by the way, I, I forgot, I neglected to say earlier uh, that with these, with this Alabama, you know, there's lawsuits against uh, the photo ID uh, restrictions in Texas and in North Carolina. Why is there no federal suit in Alabama? Because not enough Democrats there. Where's the DOJ in Alabama? I would love to know. It would be nice to have yes. a stronger, more aggressive administration Let's, when it comes to that. Yes, let me get through uh, real quick. Uh, oh, where'd the Obamacare go? Oh, there we go. Uh, six John in Sun Valley. Hey, John, welcome to the broadcast. Well, I just wanted to say, Mommy, Daddy, Chad, you're doing Why can't I be in the pool? <laughs> yeah, you you can. You are. Clearly you are, John. Uh, let me get to uh, Jerry in Redondo Beach. Quick, I'm going to try to fly through. Hey, Jerry, welcome to the broadcast. What's up? Hi. Uh, my wife and I would love to put solar panels on our house, but the tax credit just kept going down. It's just not cost effective. So I, my understanding is the oil companies pull oil out gas out of the ground in California with no taxes? Right. Can we possibly get them to pay for better tax credits? There are there are efforts going on right now in the state legislature to attempt to get what's called an oil severance tax, where oil companies have to pay for what they extract from the ground. They have to pay California for taking our natural resources. That is having a lot of trouble getting through the state legislature. So it's important for people, if they want that, to make sure that their representatives know that. Yeah, let the Democrats know who dominate, uh, who, you know, Jerry Brown, who is approving fracking all over the uh, state in yeah. the middle of the worst drought this state has ever had, using millions of gallons for fracking uh it, it's it's appalling it's obscene jerry i gotta run yeah sorry i gotta run really quick let me do uh lynette you got 10 seconds go for it lynette hi thanks for taking my call you know all the lies of corruption and the no that's going on in congress uh and here in california we just need to hurry up and get our our green labor party get our own little merger going and just dismiss all of this regime. Uh, you know, we need a regime change. I mean, we've got to do it real quick, though, because they're going to destroy the planet, and God forbid, okay? You all have a blessed day. Thank you, Lynette. I do appreciate that call. I appreciate all of the callers. Sorry I couldn't get to all of you, but we will be back. Same Brad time, same Brad channel next week. My thanks to Desi Doyen, our producer. Uh, my thanks to G, our soundboard operator. For uh, My thanks to Christine Blasdale for screening calls for us today. Much appreciated. Uh, by the way, coming up, uh, John Wiener in the 4 o'clock report. More coverage of California elections with Harold Meyerson. And I will be appearing at the Community Advisory Board at KPFK here Saturday. If you'd like to come out and say hello, 1 p.m. Saturday here at KPFK. Is that it? Is that all? We're good? All right. Until next week, you can find me at The Brad Blog on the Twitters and, of course, at bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good night, America.